Next on BYU Sports Nation, in the next five years, what's the peak for BYU football? Assistant head football coach Ed Lamb joins us to recap spring ball, plus his thoughts on the linebackers and the new rules regarding kickoffs. Fair catch that, plus a dive into Taysom Hill's tenure with the Saints and who wore best, Fanny Pack Edition. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. What is up? BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It's Tuesday, excuse me, Wednesday, April 18th. I'm Jerem Jordan. Spencer Linton is helping shuttle students into the final day of classes on campus at BYU. So I'm teamed up with a student of the game, Jason Shepard. Yes, that is the only class that I got an A in. <laughs> really? No. Just for the purposes of this. I am a student of the game, though. Yes, you are. Yes, I study. The uh, game being? The game being all games. Broadcasting sports. and sports. Yes, hashtag of sports. sports. Of sports. Today was always an exciting day as a student, and congratulations to uh, the students of BYU, not only those on our crew, but uh, the ones at Brigham. Last day of classes, man. There's a reading day, whatever that means, and then there's some, uh, some finals. As one person in a student ward I was at, uh, as a student, said, Reading day. I go to UVSC. Every day is a reading day for me. UVSC? It's U- old school. I, I Yeah, it turned into Utah Valley when I was in school. Uh, did they also a, go did they host Brigham Young Academy? Y- yes, with Carl G. Mazur, <laughs> and he wouldn't leave the circle no matter what. He'd rather die than lie. Lots to discuss today. We're going uh, to talk about everything from BYU in the next five years to fanny packs on BYU strength and conditioning coaches to Taysom Hill as the uh, backup quarterback in that battle. So let's get right to it. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. We're approaching year eight of BYU football independence. I can't believe it's been that long. Eight years? That's wild. Through seven seasons, there have been some highs and lows from whole seasons to September starts, Hail Marys, significant injuries, and seasons that haven't happened in 50 years. But we now look ahead to the next five. So Jason... What will be the peak for BYU football in the next five years? And that is our question of the day. Use the hashtag BYUSN. We'll get to your responses. But, Jason, what's going to be the peak in the next five years? Look, this is probably wishful thinking on my part, but I'm – no, I, I just can't wear those. i got to wear the, the sleek, cool ones. It's a P5 right, invite. Cyclops. <laughs> a P5 invite. P5 invite. Power 5 comes. Without question, that will trump anything that BYU can do on the field in the next five years. TV contracts will be coming to a close. Whatever change to the system, conference realignment, will hopefully be playing out with BYU included. Even if in the next five years, BYU were to make a New Year's Six or something Whoa, along... Put on the blue goggles. But I'm just, no, I'm just saying, something along that those lines. That one requires the goggles. With, with something as big as that or a, a 10, 11, you know, undefeated season, whoa, whoa, whoa. P5 Jake, invite would be bigger than all of that. Amen to that. That would be the peak. Let's discuss other things that are up for grabs. Uh, a win versus Utah. A win versus Utah would be nice in the next five years. That can't be the peak, though. You're right. It don't can't be, be. Don't be Utah fans with that kind of response. That's their response. That's not how BYU should view it. Uh, BYU hasn't won in seven games. Oh, have they really? And I would like a win. We um, all would like a win. Yes. But, but I, don't make it be the peak. I don't want it to be the peak. I don't want it to be the peak. 
I'm hoping for a season where BYU wins at least 10 games and gets ranked to end a season. I've been that's kind of the hope there. Get multiple draft picks into the NFL. Get a better bowl game than kind of the run of the mill ones, right? There is uh, potentially an accelerator clause in BYU's ESPN contract, possibly of okay, if you don't get to a New Year's Six, but you have a good season, can you go to a better bowl game? That is that a possibility? Uh, big wins over Power Five schools, a la. 2015 at Nebraska, 2016 against Mississippi State, 2013 and 14 against Texas. I want more of those. It'd be awesome to have an Oklahoma-type win. Like, what if BYU went to uh, Wisconsin and won this year or at Washington? Those would be really, really nice, awesome wins. A win at Boise State, not the peak, but something I want in the next five years as well. Can I just have all of those things? No, I can't? No, okay, I cannot. (laughs) The peak for me would be finish a season-ranked, Get in the college football playoff rankings at some point. BYU hasn't been in those. The Cougars have done a decent job of making a splash in September. Mm-hmm. Okay, 2014, you're ranked 19th. 2015, the next year, you're ranked in the top 20 after beating Nebraska and Boise State. But those are flashes in the pan at the beginning of the year. I want some lasting quality as opposed to poof. Gone after September. All of those things that you talked about would certainly be huge. All of those things every BYU fan wants. None of it would be greater than getting a P5 invite. Agreed. That is the hope within the next five years. That would be the biggest thing to ever happen to BYU. Academically, athletically, anything. Yes. Anything. With spring football officially over now, all eyes are on the start of fall camp and the season opener at Arizona coming up on September 1st. With that in mind... Hit it. Countdown to the Wildcats. 136. Seriously, though, it will not take long to get to that point. We think, oh, that's that's a long ways away. It's going to be here before we know it. The Cougars will be taking the field in Tucson. In fact, we are going to step into the old DeLorean, my friend. We are going to go 136 days into the future. Jerem if today were game day versus Arizona, yes. what are you most confident about regarding this BYU football team? That we wouldn't have to do the countdown anymore. Can that be my answer? Be the countdown to the following year. <laughs> oh, boy. No. You can't do it in season for the next year? No. I'm confident. I, it took me a while to think of uh, the answer to this one. I'm confident that, that BYU's offense won't be terrible. Last year, it was awful. It was in the bottom third. Seventh worst in points. Uh, 41st worst in passing, 26th worst in rushing. I'm confident this offense is not going to be terrible. I don't know if it's going to be great, good, okay, but it's going to be better than bad. Okay, it's got. Listen, if BYU's at least decent in the middle third of college football, you're going to be a bowl team, and that would be a good season coming off of last season. Okay, I think there are some players on offense. I think BYU's got some skill in the skill positions, so I'm confident that the BYU offense. Although it might take a little bit to get going, which is traditionally what happens with a new offense, unless your name's Gary Croton and you have uh, two NFL draft picks in your backfield and Brandon Doman and Luke Staley, the Doak Walker Award winner. Outside of that, traditionally, you're scoring in the teens for a few games. The two things that stood out to me the most in terms of confidence, number one is the offensive line. Okay. I have the utmost confidence in these guys coming back for a couple of different reasons. Number one, the offensive coordinator and the position coach are in step, father and son, if you will, uh, in, Dad? in making sure that these guys are 
doing what they have to. That's that's their background. Jeff Grimes is an offensive line guy. Yes. So I have the utmost comp. Plus this this group is really talented. This is a group that will continue to get better. And yes, they lost some talent, but they are very the center in the two guards. Yes, absolutely. Those are big losses. But the the talent that was at that position that will be playing this year and getting significant time, I am very very impressed with and have very high hopes for. The other thing, and it goes to the coaching is that there will be much more discipline. There will be much more accountability. That there can't be much less. While, while there may be mistakes, I do not believe I am confident in the fact that we will not see a lot of repeat mistakes. Because once there is a mistake, the coaching staff is not going to let that happen again. I would hope Th- so. Those are the two things that I feel the most confident about if BYU were to play a game today. Okay, on the flip side, Jason, what are you least confident in re- in regarding this BYU football team right now? Look, I, the easy to, the easy answer for me is is quarterback, but it's not so much that I'm not confident. It's just that there's so much unknown sure. about that position. That is the most important position on a football team, and there just doesn't seem to be a clear cut guy right now. With so many guys in the mix, you just there's just so much unknown around it. Now, granted, there doesn't need to be a guy today on April 18th, but you'd like to know that the guy is there. Yes, uh, I have a few questions or unknown. Playmakers, who are the playmakers on both sides of the ball, especially defense? Offensively, I feel more confident in identifying who those people are. Defensively, there's no Fred Warner. There's no kind of cool back there from a couple years ago. Like, who, who, like will, will Dine Gawoloku and Troy Warner be the playmakers defensively? Butch Powell, can he be 2016 healthy Butch Powell? Right. The defensive line is a big question for me. When Kalani Satake was dominating defensively at Utah, he had – Awesome defensive lines with NFL draft picks in there. Will Kairos Tonga uh, lead the way there? Will Corbin Kafusi take the next step? Can that defensive line get a pass rush with four dudes? Because then if so, BYU's got a chance in some of these Power 5 games on the road. Can they make a step? And then the linebackers. Who are going to be the guys besides Butch Pau? That is, a, that is a, a question I have. Zane Anderson's been moved up there. Matt Hadley could be a linebacker. We're going to talk to Ed Lamb coming up, who coaches the linebackers. Will he be a linebacker? Hadley, that is. So those are some of my unknowns yes. with this team. Right? All right. You, you mentioned the defensive line. Uh, BYU had uh, quite a good defensive lineman uh, several years back by the name of Ziggy Ansa. I think he was actually your – Ezekiel. Uh, yeah, he was actually your basketball uh, buddy, right? We'd play pick You guys together. hooped it up. Yeah, well, he hooped and I watched. <laughs> He officially signed his one-year contract with the Lions yesterday after being franchised. Seventeen was it? Seventeen point one million. I've been asking him if he could slide me that point one. Just you're like, you hey, got this. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to give it. you the seventeen. You, you just give yeah. me the point, point one. one dog. All right. Listen to what Ziggy has done so far in his career. Ziggy's career totals include seventy-three games, seventy-one of them starts, by the way, forty-four sacks. 207 tackles, 155 have been solo, 10 forced fumbles, and three fumble recoveries. And by the way, back to his sack numbers, his 44 career sacks ranks fifth all-time in Lions history. And just to be fair, they didn't start keeping the the official statistics since 82. But still, he's fifth all-time in Lions history. Jerem, which BYU Cougar has had the greatest impact in his first five seasons in the NFL? This is an interesting question. It's probably Jim McMahon, okay, because he won a Super Bowl yes. as the quarterback. So I'm going to look at some other guys just for the sake of uh, exploration here. Virgil Carter was Cincinnati assistant coach Bill Walsh's guinea pig for a new <laughs> offense. 
in the uh, early 70s. Okay, that's an interesting one. Carter led the NFL in completion percentage in 71, third in overall passing. Lee Johnson was a pretty good player. Bicek had a three-punt return TDs in his first two years. John Tate. John Tate, the most underrated former BYU Cougar in Chief the NFL. draft pick. That's right. First five seasons in Kansas City. Did you know that John Tate uh, had a 28-yard rush, by the way, uh, in his first five seasons? I did know that. Second most starts of any former BYU NFL player ever. And then there's Todd Christensen. Yes. Rest in peace. In his fifth year, led the NFL with 92 catches, fourth in receiving yards, third in touchdowns, Super Bowl champs with the Raiders. It might be after Jim McMahon, Todd Christensen. I agree with you 100% that it's Jim McMahon, that the answer is Jim McMahon. And it's not just because of the Super Bowl. That's certainly – Although is, that's but the that's, Yes, that is, that is the biggest achievement. Quarterback of a Super Bowl winning but, team. But listen to this. In his first five years, 8,218 yards passing. That would have been two years at BYU, by the way. <laughs> 49 touchdowns. He was the NFC Rookie of the Year and starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears in the Super Bowl. You also had Austin Colley. 1908, not the year 1908, 1,908 yards receiving. His For his career, he averaged 10.7 yards per catch. He was legit. 16 touchdowns, and by the way, 15 of those came in the first two seasons. His chemistry with Peyton Manning was fantastic, and he was on his way. If it weren't for the injury and the concussions, there was no way of knowing just how good and how long his career could have gone. So those are some other guys. Jason Buck, 68 games, 16 sacks. Steve Young, obviously, two years in Tampa. Didn't get a whole lot yeah. of opportunities, Ziggy's but those right are the there. guys. Maybe Ziggy's the best defensive player uh, from BYU ever in the NFL. Right. I don't know. We should discuss that another day. That's a fun one. Earlier this week, Jake Longy, a member of the University of Texas football recruiting staff, tweeted a photo with the BYU football strength and conditioning staff, saying the Cougars were in town for professional development. In the picture... You can see Justin McClure, Nuutafisi, Longy, and A.J. Middleton, three of those four being the, the staff. Middleton is wearing a fanny pack or a bum bag for our English audience. That brings us to this question. Jason, who wore the fanny pack better, A.J. Middleton or Jamal Williams last year at the Senior Bowl? Okay. Uh, I want to be very clear with this. <laughs> I, I love Jamal yeah! Williams. Okay. I love Jamal. He's great. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But A.J. Middleton is a large human being, okay? He is He's a, got that muscly arm. He is, he is a strength and conditioning coach, and I am not going to do anything to upset <laughs> him at all. A.J., you wore it well, my friend. <laughs> it's Jamal because it's, uh, it's rainbow and it's crazy. Yeah, I love it. Who wore it better, man? Hang on. Let me uh, – do, do you have yours with you? I'm going to just pull out my, uh, my lip balm out of my – what am I, fanny pack? You don't have one. I, I don't, Come on, I don't have a fanny pack. Come on, let's transition from that. That's funny, though. Question of the day. What will be the peak for BYU football in the next five years? Use the hashtag BYUSN. Weigh in on Twitter and Instagram. And Facebook, if you want, at rgreenha. Weighs in. 2020. Easiest looking of the schedules, maybe. But more importantly, we know some of our young stud QBs will be upperclassmen by that point. 2020. 2020. Barbara Walters. <laughs> That's gonna be, in. It's going to be here before you know it. As you mentioned, you can join in by using the hashtag BYUSN. And coming up, why BYU fans are about to become Houdat fans. What? And next, how will the Cougars adjust to the new NCAA kickoff rules? Special teams coach Ed Lamb will tell us. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store 
the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us at the BYU Fan Fest coming up in Mesa, Arizona on Saturday, May 5th. We will be broadcasting live. Fan Fest will be held at Pioneer Park from 11 to 1 local time. Also, don't miss this weekend's Fan Fest in Idaho Falls. It will be held at Waterfront Park from 1 to 3 local time. This is BYU Sports Nation, simulcast on BYU TV, BYU Radio, and those apps. Follow us at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN and weigh in on today's question of the day. What will be the peak for BYU football in the next five years at Shea Lawrence beating Michigan State at home in 2020? Sparty will be the next Texas. That would certainly be a win, and there are plenty of opportunities for those uh, coming up in the next couple of years. Well, the NCAA came out with some new kickoff rules, and we've wondered how this will affect BYU. To answer some of those questions and others, we welcome in BYU assistant head coach, and linebackers coach Ed Lamb joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Ed, how's it going? It's going well. How are you guys? We are great. Uh, we know you're out recruiting, so where where are you today? Uh, I'm in San Diego. I'm near uh, near the near the heart of San Diego in downtown, uh, just right now on uh, Interstate 8, between Interstate 8 and Interstate 5. It's good to be the assistant head coach. You can uh, get Southern California, right, as one of your areas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we... You know, it's it's a it's a really productive area and has been, you know, as long as I've been involved in BYU. So we have uh I've got San Diego and uh General Guilford has Los Angeles, Aaron Roderick has Orange County, we've got Fessy Satake and, and uh, Preston Hadley that works on in the inland uh Empire areas, Riverside, San Bernardino counties and so we we've got Southern California covered pretty well. Ed, we've got so much to get to with you. Before we get into some specific things, I want to ask you a big picture question. Now that spring ball is done, how do you feel things went? Um, I, you know, it's, I think our goals, objectives in spring practice, we just have to keep them realistic. I mean, to to uh, to try to determine whether um, you know, that the offense or the defense gets better because their success on any given day or a pattern of success throughout spring practice, you know, the opponent is ourselves when we're talking offensively and defensively. So it's, it's really hard to do that. So I think overall what we're looking for is, is uh, not an end result of, of success on the field in, in practice sessions or in the scrimmage, but we're looking for buy-in from the players. We're looking for guys who um, use, the off season as an opportunity to buy into the culture and do really well in school, get on top of their academics, work hard every day, change their body. Every player on our team is either on a weight gain or a weight loss or a body composition goal. And we want to see how guys progress toward that and just how they're interacting with the coaches. And I think all of that was uh, accomplished and I feel really good about it. With the hiring of Preston Hadley coaching the safeties, you've now transitioned back to the position you played at BYU linebacker. So, how is that group shaping up? Um, yeah, I really like uh, the the position changes that happened with um, Shoni Takitaki moving from defensive line to outside linebacker, and then Zane Anderson moving from safety to linebacker. I think we have a lot of speed on the field, a lot of uh, a lot of power. Those guys play the game. At a high tempo, uh, Butch Pau has really improved his uh, body composition from last year to this year. I think he is going to be much more um, looking like his 2016 form 
And then Matt Hadley recently was uh, approved for his year of eligibility. And so last year's injury is not going to, to cost him. So he'll be a senior this fall. And I think right now that gives us at least four guys that I would consider starting winning caliber players and, uh, and several more uh, Riggs Powell, Adam, um, Adam Pulsifer, those two guys are really pushing as well for significant playing time, and then a bunch of young guys as well. So I think I think we've got good depth, and I'm excited about working with the guys. So you expect Hadley to be a linebacker? I do, yes. I, I still think he's one of the best uh, ball carriers on our team, and uh, he'll, he'll return kickoffs, and he did a good job at that uh, two years ago. We really missed him in that role last year. He was our leading kickoff return guy two years ago. And, uh, and, uh, but, but I think, you know, we, we also have some depth at running back right now and he's not really in the mix as far as I know to be a running back, but I think he's always, uh, and has the opportunity maybe, or the ability to go two ways for us as needed. You mentioned Sione Takitaki, and I think of, of all the moves, one of the things that makes me the most excited was hearing that Takitaki was moving from the defensive line to the linebackers. I love that move. What kind of season do you expect from Sione as a linebacker? What, what do you think is possible for him? Well, he has uh, incredibly high individual goals for himself, and, and I don't know if, if I – should share those really. Those were shared in a, in a personal conversation, but um, I, I think those are, I think those goals are healthy and appropriate. And really I try to inspire guys to have individual goals. I don't think that that takes away from the team. I think we can't be the best, uh, the best husband or father or teammate that we can be or employee that we can be without having personal goals. And so uh, he, he has really high goals for himself. I think he can be among the very best linebackers in America, and uh, it's my job to help him get there. There's certainly uh, positions to be uh, won over time, but uh, it, w- it would look like Butch Powell would be uh, a middle linebacker. Sione Takitaki would be uh, potentially the bow. Are you figuring out who the flash is still at this point, the other starting linebacker? You know, coming out of the spring, Zane Anderson was, was clearly the right guy for that position. I think he goes from being a very good uh, college safety to an NFL prospect at the linebacker position. He's uh, gaining weight steadily. He's not, um, you know, he's, he's, he's not in a position where he has to gain too much. He uh, probably needs to put on about 8 to 10 pounds over the summer, and uh, he's done a pretty good job of advancing toward that in the spring. But really, a, a pound a week is, you know, the only that's the type of consistent progress that he's going to need. And, and he's been on track for that. Ed, let's transition into some special teams conversation. Uh, the NCAA announced uh, rule changes to the kickoff. Any fair catch inside the 25 will be considered a touchback beginning this season. How do those new rule changes affect the way you game plan for kicks now? Oh, that's, you know, there's, within that rule, there's still room for the application of strategy, as you know. And, and so I think a lot of the changes are going to be ongoing as, uh, as I figure out or, or we figure out what our opponents intend to do or what they are doing in games. But just for example, you know, we've, we've had a really strong kickoff team and we've chosen to be aggressive and hang the ball up and deliberately not stick it in the end zone and give teams uh, the 25-yard line. 
And so, and, and we've had success at that. Um, so, so we've got to determine whether the opponent will still try to bring the ball off of three yard line. Um, and if so, do we have a chance to tackle them inside the 15 and as, as the guys have been really adept at in the past, or are we just uh, wasting time and, and, and making an inappropriate risk, you know, putting the ball close to the sideline, risking that penalty, um, you know, the, the risk of, of having a, a bigger return, you know, we're not always successful in closing it down inside the 15. So, and then I think just the, you know, the opposite occurs too on the kickoff return side is how aggressive do we want to be? And uh, do we want to settle for the 25 yard line? And so that same decision criteria that, that has been occurring on kicks inside the end zone now occurs on all kicks really inside the 25 yard line. And so it's just a matter of aggressiveness and, and I think the head coach needs him to be involved in that overall philosophy. And then game to game and season to season, it may change a lot. But I, I can't predict exactly how it's going to play out. BYU assistant coach and linebackers coach Ed Lamb is on BYU Sports Nation. Do you like the new rule that you can fair catch inside the 25 and, and have it be a touchback, essentially? Okay. Like the new rule. Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've asked you an emotional um, question. <laughs> Yeah, you've asked for my emotions. Um, well, I do, I do, I do have respect for for what uh, you know the rules committee is trying to do for the game. The kickoff is a violent part of the game. There are uh, probably more injuries per play in that phase of the game than there are uh, in other, uh, you know, on any other given play or down a distance or however you would want to categorize it. And so I, I do think the. The goal of the rule, the spirit of the rule, is to minimize uh, minimize the contact or violence or injuries in the game, and I think that's good and healthy for football. At BYU, we have we have really strong special teams because of the type of players that are here at BYU, and so many of them growing up as lifelong BYU fans, and they consider it the privilege of a lifetime to go down and cover kicks. And so, I think from a from a competitive standpoint. Maybe this rule uh, will hurt us more than it will hurt other teams if indeed you know the majority of teams start opting for that you know kind of touch back touch back type field position on balls kicked in between the twenty five and the goal line for a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned in terms of why the rule is being implemented, do you believe? Because this is something that's brought up in college football. It's been brought up in the NFL as well. Do you believe this is a very early step to eventually getting rid of kickoffs in football? It could be. I, I really think that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think, as I said um, before, you know, right now we, we could potentially go into a season or any team could go into the season deciding to, to completely de-emphasize their kickoff return team. In other words, you could put uh, just a bunch of guys out there very adept at catching the ball and take the field position minimum 25-yard line on every single kickoff. And you've obviously got to recover, be able to recover the kicks, whether they be onside kicks or anything deeper than that. But that's, uh, you know, that's a fairly good kickoff return team you know, in terms of national yardage to get, that, uh, to get that return at the 25-yard line consistency. That would be in the top half, I think, of – of national kickoff return team st- statistically. So in a way it's, it's possible that that kickoff is already being taken out and it's just going to become more like what you'd see in a spring game where there's 
a minimization of contact. There's the skill of being on side and running down just in case the, the return team decides to return it. BYU assistant coach and linebackers coach Ed Lamb is on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, there's some guys expected to be on campus who will weigh in heavily into the special teams uh, this fall. Skyler Southam kicking field goals. Danny Jones uh, punting. What role do you see them playing immediately for BYU? Every every player that, that we recruit, really, we we want to prepare them to come in and and contribute as starting players with uh, you know with with the, the possibility of earning individual honors, accolades, etc. And yet, uh, you know, we've got to keep in mind that there's always a transition, and so and I think those two guys would fit into that general pattern of what we're hoping for. We we recruited them. Heavily, we've been anticipating their arrival on campus. Skyler's already returned from his mission. He's been he's been on campus utilizing the facilities and and working on his own. He's not permitted yet uh, to be working with the team in an official capacity because he's not enrolled in school yet. But um, he's back, and then Danny is Danny will be here in the summer as he makes his transition from halfway around the world. We look forward to uh, those guys and kind of seeing how the kickoff rules uh, play out as you figure it out and everyone else figures it out. And, uh, Ed, we appreciate the time. Good luck in San Diego. Enjoy the weather. Oh, thanks, guys. Great to talk to you, as always. Okay, thanks, Ed. Thanks, Ed. Ed Lamb on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Interesting comments. A lot to figure out still. At what point do you, uh, yeah, do you say, you know what, we're just going to take the 25. Right. No risk. We get right there. Uh, you still have to catch that fair catch, by the way. It could become a yes. fumble. You get that. There's a lot of unknown with this kind of new rule. Well, and uh, certainly high praise for Zane Anderson, who's uh, making the switch to linebacker. He's the starting flash linebacker. Absol- right absolutely. Okay. Coming up, is Taysom Hill entrenched as the backup to Drew Brees? We'll ask ESPN NFL Nation reporter Mike Triplett. And Ziggy Ansah gets paid, and a BYU golfer tweets more times than Greg Rubel. This is BYU Sports Nation. Jeremy Jordan and Jason Shepard in Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Welcome back. We're on demand anytime, anywhere. BYU TV, BYU Radio apps. We uh, post interviews on YouTube and tweet them out. All kinds of spots. Uh, Facebook page as well. Check it out. Let's uh, get to some of our BYU Sports Nation headlines. It's your BYU Sports Nation headlines. Ezekiel Ziggyansa signed his new contract with the Detroit Lions after being the team's designated franchise player. Jason Shepard is our franchise player. <laughs> Thank you. The franchise tag is worth $17 million. Unfortunately, we can't all pay right. Jason that amount. What? Ansa is ranked fifth all-time in sacks, by the way, in Detroit Lions history. BYU baseball falls to Arizona last night 6-1 to in Tucson. The Cougars have the rest of the week off before hosting Utah next Tuesday at Miller Park, a game that you will be able to see on KBYU. Men's golf shot 13 under yesterday. The West Coast Conference Championship sophomore Rhett Rasmussen 6 under to lead the Cougars. So, Nearly half of that was <laughs> Rhett Rasmussen. He's tied for first place. The Cougars are in second place as a team, nine strokes behind Pepperdine. A reminder, BYU is the defending champion of said tournament. Also, number 40 women's golf is in second place after Tuesday's WCC championships. The Cougars shot 13 over with a combined score of 29 through 36 holes. Kendra Dalton and Rose Huang are tied for first at the WCC championships at one over par. BYU as a team is second, five strokes behind Pepperdine. Our question of the day, what would be the peak for BYU football in the next five years? Use the hashtag BYUSN on Twitter and Instagram to weigh in. At TM Sherble, 
National Champs 2021. Hold on. There we go. I like it. National Champs 2021. Hashtag blue, blue goggles, goggles on. Blue go- but really, one of these years we will end up in the top 25. Hashtag high hopes. <laughs> I think, yeah, being ranked is hard. You got to win 10 games. Traditionally, if you're BYU and you win 10 games, you get ranked. That's how it works. At Laser Sheep says, I'm liking 2019. Mm. It's not looking quite as daunting as others. This coaching staff can fine-tune things this year, and the opportunity to get USC in Provo will get some eyes on BYU. You want to look at 2019's schedule? Let's do it. Uh, Utah to open the season at home. Awesome. At Tennessee. USC at home. Washington at home. That's awesome at home. Yeah, do- It's still too hard, but it's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 a hard schedule to start. At Toledo, at South Florida, Boise State at home, at Utah State. The new independent Liberty Flames. Who? Idaho State. Probably live on BYU TV. At UMass. And at San Diego State. So and then uh, the Hawaii Bowl. So that's a that's a compelling schedule, one in in which if you can survive September, you got a shot. Hey, we, we threw out a Twitter poll uh, based on our fanny pack question yes. uh, that we discussed earlier in the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a picture of uh, A.J. Middleton, uh, strength and conditioning coach for BYU football, wearing a fanny pack. So we asked, who wore the fanny pack better? Was it A.J. or was it Jamal Williams, who we all remember had the, the bright-colored fanny pack last year? Uh, 98% right now going with Jamal. It's hard to beat Jamal in anything with the fans. He is one of the he most is beloved so figures ever. Beloved. Jamal the Beloved at BYU. Like, he is so <laughs> liked. Okay, we just talked to Ed Lamb, BYU assistant, and there's the picture. It's there it is. Incredible. Look at that. It's incredible. Uh, Ed Lamb, BYU assistant head coach and linebackers coach, was just on. We learned a lot. So let's recap some of it in case you missed it or rehash it. We asked about the new kickoff rules. Basically said, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to play out, but there are some questions to answer. He doesn't just coach BYU kicking off. He coaches them receiving as well right. and punting and everything. At what point is it just going to be a low kick that cannot be fair caught that you're trying to get yes. inside the 25? There's some questions that, to be That had. was the thing he mentioned. You know, you, I think the, the idea of being able to fair catch inside the 25 makes people think that it takes the strategy out. He says that that's not the case. There's still strategy to be determined in how you do it, and they're still in the process of kind of figuring out what is best – for BYU, he also said that he thought that this rule may actually hurt BYU more than it hurts some other schools because of maybe the emphasis, the emphasis that BYU puts on it. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, Matt Hadley's the linebacker. He's going to uh, return kicks, one of the best kickoff guys. Zane Anderson, the starting yeah. flash linebacker, or a field. Uh, Sione Takitaki is going to be a good player there. Uh yeah, lots, lots. There's to, a lot uh, of good stuff. Skyler Southam will be on yes. campus, uh, you know, soon using the facilities unofficially. You know, not enrolled. Danny Jones will be here, the punter. So, lots, uh, lots to learn from uh, Ed Lamb there. He also said, and this is something I mentioned on the show the other day that this. I wonder if this is a a precursor to ultimately just getting rid of kickoffs altogether. And 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 Ed said it, it very well could be. And in this may be, you may see a version of that with this very rule. It's it's pretty interesting stuff. If you missed it, definitely check it out. All right, coming up, three BYU Cougars are on par for a WCC championship. More on that coming up in the Cougar Whip Around. And what's the latest with Taysom Mills' battle to be the backup in New Orleans? ESPN Saints reporter Mike Triplett tells us next. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store 
the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU men's volleyball hosting USC tomorrow night in the semifinals of the MPSF tournament. You can watch the match live at 9 p.m. Eastern time on BYU TV. Brendan Sander is a senior playing a final game or two here. One of three players all-time in BYU history with 1,000 kills, 100 aces. His brother and then a guy named Pat Sinclair. Those are the three. So He's very good. Enjoy greatness this weekend. Uh, with He was volleyball. great on Between the Lines yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> What's up? Welcome back. This is BYU Sports Nation on BYU TV and BYU Radio. There is a rebroadcast if you miss the show live at noon Eastern. It's at 6 Eastern on BYU TV every day. Question of the day, what will be the peak for BYU football in the next five years? At uh, Colonel underscore James 83. Uh, Utah. Beating Utah is always the peak. Everything else is secondary. <sighs> Hashtag beat Utah. No, I'm I with just, you. I don't want it to be I, the peak I just, moment. I hate I that attitude. I just, I just don't. I just can't get behind that one. I'm sorry. I also hate losing seven in a row to Utah. Yes. Like we are, yeah. Yes, everyone does. Blech. Yeah. Okay, uh, lots of BYU Cougars in the mix trying to make the NFL. Fred Warner's going to be drafted. We'll see if someone else is drafted. Cougars trying to uh, meet with teams and make things happen. And uh, joining us now is Mike Triplett, ESPN NFL Saints Nations reporter. Uh, Nation Saints reporter joins us on the Desert First Credit Union Hotline. Mike, thanks for taking some time with us today. Happy to join you guys. How you doing? Good. We'll talk about Taysom Hill in a sec, uh, but uh, Tomasi Laulile, a former BYU defensive end, he was brought in apparently for a pre-draft meeting with the Saints. What usually goes on in those types of meetings? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, it's hard to read too much into those. Um, I would say it's kind of 50-50 whenever those meetings lead to a team being drafted. Sometimes they know enough about a guy from, from their first meeting with him at the Senior Bowl or, or the Combine, or sometimes they, you know, they, they want to little, know a little more. But um, obviously I think when a, when a mid-round prospect or a later-round prospect comes in, it's a really good sign. They're not going to waste their time with, with a guy that they're not really interested in. Um, and the Saints probably – one of the teams around the league that you would say has had the most success with that type of player. Uh, so it's probably a place where he'd be in good shape if, uh, if he landed here. And they definitely have a need for defensive line depth. That's what I was going to ask you. Where, where does that fall in the pecking order of needs for new Orleans? Well, I'd say pretty high. I'd say the front seven in general was, was maybe their number one priority all throughout the, uh, the front seven. And it's obviously a position that's really good, you know, because, unlike the guy we're about to talk about in a minute, defensive line is a position where they do a ton of rotating. Uh, a lot of guys, you know, those big bodies who, who come in and they want fresh legs and they want 20 snaps from this guy and 20 snaps from that guy. And they really could use that. Um, you know, they just flirted with Ndamukong Sue in free agency and, and did hit that target. Obviously, this we're not talking about the same type of player, but it's a position where they have two or three rotation spots that probably are not on the current roster that are going to make this team. Mike Triplett, ESPN NFL Nation Saints reporters on BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk about Taysom Hill. A lot of people, especially BYU fans, excited at what Troy Aikman said on a Fox broadcast one day about yeah. uh, <laughs> our, our, the next guy is in the building. So what's, what's the thought process with Taysom Hill right now as you see how far the newly contracted Drew Brees can go? <laughs> Well, look, I, I'm excited. Uh, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> think there's anyone they could draft uh, in this year's draft outside of maybe like Lamar Jackson at number 27 or something that I'm going to be more excited to watch during OTAs and minicamp and, and training camp practices this summer than Taysom Hill because 
I've never seen him on the practice field. I've never seen him throw a pass because he, he spent his summer with the Green Bay Packers last year, and the Saints didn't get him in the building until week one of the regular season. And, uh, you know, we, we don't really get to watch full practices once they go in the regular season. And he didn't do a lot of, you know, other than scout team work. Um, so I want to know where this love from Sean Payton comes from. But, look, obviously it's real. I, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck talked about it on that broadcast, but I've heard that many times from people close to Payton uh, that, you know, I don't think the Saints are going to force themselves to draft a quarterback this year because, they want to take a look at Taysom Hill as possibly that guy they could develop. They've never really had a developmental prospect waiting in the wings under Drew Brees. They did have Chase Daniel for several years, and, and maybe that's the kind of, of development we're talking about. But Peyton is very intrigued about his size, his speed, uh, you know, just his character and work ethic. And, and obviously last year he had one of the most unique stories you'll ever see in the NFL where they liked this guy so much and he was just doing nothing as a third string quarterback. And they're like, you look like you could be pretty good on special teams. And, and he didn't just play special teams. He was a very good special teamer. The, the uh, same special teams coach, Mike Westhoff last year said he thinks Taysom Hill played at the level of the, the pro bowl special team specialist over the final eight weeks of the season. Wow. You know, Mike, you're you're for for anybody that wanted to put realistic expectations on Taysom, this interview is just completely blowing that out of the water. <laughs> I mean, well, and and that's that's interesting because these these are all things that we've read, and and Jerem mentioned the the Troy Aikman comments. With all of that said, I, I think a lot of people are expecting Taysom to be the backup to Drew Brees, but the team did sign Tom Savage. So how do you think the backup quarterback battle plays out? Well, yeah, let me take it back a couple notches. The All the stuff I was saying are the reasons for excitement, but uh, the obvious that goes unstated is, okay, he was an attractive rookie um, in the first place, and you know he was cut by the Green Bay Packers, even though they reportedly really liked him and were hoping to get him back on their practice squad. And he's never thrown a snap in practice and, you know, uh, no experience to speak of. So, obviously, any success he would have as a quarterback in the NFL, it's still all based on potential right now. Um, and, and it's got to be something that he earns on the field uh, starting in these in these camps. Look, the Saints drafted a guy not far from y'all in uh, the third round, Garrett Grayson, a few years ago. Um and had high expectations for him, and, and he lasted two summers and, and then ultimately got released, and, and it just didn't happen for him. So potential is only you know one-tenth of the battle uh, when it comes to NFL, especially at the quarterback position. So he's got a long road to go, but he's going to get that opportunity because Chase Daniel is no longer with the team, the, the backup that they had established for a long time. So it'll probably be a pretty open competition between Taysom Hill and, and Tom Savage. Tom Savage obviously has the experience factor, but uh, I think, you know, I do imagine that once they start lining up in, uh, in OTA and minicamp practices, that it'll probably be something where they're taking turns with the second team and, and equally auditioning for that backup job. Mike, potential's way more exciting than reality. Let's be honest. Come on, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, let's finish with this. What's been the fallout after the – incredibly crazy finish to the season in Minnesota. Well, you know, they're just getting back to work now. Um, they just reported for the start of, you know, weightlifting and off-season conditioning. I haven't even got back on the practice field yet. 
But I, I think ultimately it's kind of that ideal combination um, for an NFL team heading into the offseason where they had a fantastic season last year and very easily could have been a Super Bowl team. If a couple more things fell right, they should have been in that NFC Championship game, obviously, against the Philadelphia Eagles. So you've got a team that had a ton of success, has a ton of young talent, but also now has that hunger and desire that you know they feel like they have unfinished business they need to take care of. They're they're not going to be a team that's resting on its laurels from from you know a successful season last year. They're they're, they're feeling that disappointment and thinking that they should go a couple rounds further. So you got the combination of Drew Brees, who's 39 years old, but also both of the NFL rookies of the year and just a tremendous rookie class from last year. Um, so they, they've got talent, they've got depth, and, and they've definitely got high expectations. You know, you mentioned Drew Brees, and even at 39, he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Anybody that was concerned he wasn't coming back just wasn't paying attention because of the relationship he has with that city. Can you put into perspective how much he means to New Orleans? No, look, it, and it's all taken for granted now, but when you go back and tell the story of him showing up in 2006, you know, four or five months after Hurricane Katrina hit and people thought the team might leave and they were 3-13 and 13 that year and, and how instantly they became this exciting team, one of the all-time great offenses in NFL history, a Super Bowl champion, what he's done for the communities, an NFL man of the year, Sports Illustrated sportsman of the year. Uh, it, it's really a you know one of those kind of made for Hollywood stories, and I did a I did a story on the 10 year anniversary and him signing last year where I pulled every member of the and uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and it was pretty neck and neck over who was the best free agent signing in NFL history. He finished a close second to Reggie White with the Green Bay Packers, but he's definitely in that small category of players that that has meant as much as any free agent signing ever could for a team. For the latest on the Saints, uh, potentially Taysom Hill within that, you can check out Mike Triplett on ESPN NFL Nation. Mike, we appreciate you joining the show today. All right, anytime, guys. Okay, that's Mike Triplett on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Outside of drafting Lamar Jackson, he is not excited to look at, to watch anybody <laughs> in practices anybody else? Outside, yeah. outside of Taysom Hill. Well, let's see what he can do. Can he beat Tom Savage and be the backup? Can he get more reps? Like He's going to he... get the opportunity. It certainly sounds like and, that. And when would he play, right? Drew Brees yes. is the guy. When would he play? Yeah. In the future, maybe. We'll see. Which is always positive, as we like to talk what? about. Coming up, some outstanding performances by BYU golfers at the WCC Championship yesterday. More on that coming up in the whip. Plus, what will be the peak for BYU in the next five years in football? Your responses to the question of the day coming up. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Thanks to today's guests, Ed the Cyborg Lamb and Mike Triplett from ESPN NFL Nation. If you missed any of today's show, download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Coming up on tomorrow's program, BYU TV volleyball analyst and your BFF, Steve Vale on True. the program. You guys are going to help a preview MPS semifinal tomorrow night between BYU and USC. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Cougars in the NFL. Ziggy Ansah signed his new contract with the Detroit Lions yesterday after being the team's designated franchise player. The franchise tag is worth $17 million. Ziggy is ranked fifth all-time in sacks in Detroit history. 
baseball. Batcats lost to Arizona last night, 6-1 in Tucson. The Cougars have the rest of the week off. They host Utah next Tuesday at Miller Park on KBYU. Golf. 40th ranked BYU guys and defending conference champs shot 13 under yesterday at the WCC Championship. Sophomore Rhett Rasmussen shot 6 under by himself to lead the Cougars and is tied for first place. The Cougars are in second place as a team, nine strokes behind Pepperdine. And 40th ranked women's golf, they're both ranked for you. Second place after Tuesday's WCC Championships as well. The Cougars shot 13 over, combined score of 29 through 36. Kendra Dalton, Rose Huang tied for first. At one over par, BYU as a team, second, five strokes behind Pepperdine as well. Softball. The Cougars play at Utah tonight, 8 Eastern on the Pac-12 Network. Cougars in the minors. Brendan Lund of the AA Mobile Bears went three for five with a run and a win over the Biloxi Shuckers. Taylor Cole pitched two and two-thirds for the AAA Salt Lake Bees, striking out one and giving up two hits. The Bees beat the Sacramento River Cats 12-3. And Adam Lye had two hits and a run for the Arkansas Travelers in AA. Lacrosse. Tanner Johnson earned the MCLA Division I Commanding Performance of the Week after scoring eight goals with two assists in two games last week, including an upset over third-ranked Colorado. Tennis. The men's team announced the signing of Mateo Varal and Vinicius Nogueira for, the, for next season. Track and field. Well done on that, by the way. BYU signed seven different athletes, including local talent Brandon Garnisa from Springville High School. Go Springville. Today's Rise of Chats brought to you by Dexter and Dexter. Help when you need it most, DexterLaw.com. It goes to Ed Lamb for giving us lots of good info. Great interview. About uh, BYU football in the offseason. Question of the day will be the peak for BYU football in the next five years. Our elite tweet of the day at Jake Kemp. Calling it now. Peak will be five consecutive wins against the team up north, including at least one absolute smackdown by now the forever blue-blooded Zach Wilson. Breaking the hearts of his unconverted family members and Utah fans <laughs> everywhere. Hashtag blue goggle alert. That is definitely wearing the blue goggles, but I like it. Conversation continuing 24-7 on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN. The show always on demand, BYUSN.com. For Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Bob Quinney. We'll be back tomorrow.